We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Backer, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you, well, coming at you at some point um, during your Monday, but we are recording on Sunday morning. So want to get that out of the way right now, because um, should any news break throughout the course of the day on on this day, this beautiful Sunday, uh, cloud cloud covered Sunday, but um, beautiful Sunday. Nonetheless, we will not be talking about it, um, but we certainly have enough to talk about. And I'm especially excited because. The gentleman I'm here to talk with is someone I feel like I haven't talked with in a while, and that is Jeremy Cohen. Hello, sir. How are you? Doing all right, John. Getting through the day, thanks to coffee and this lively conversation. So I'm very excited to be here right now. You got up a little bit later in the day than I did. I, I've been up since... Uh, I, I actually slept in today for me. I think I got up at 7.20. Ooh, wow. That's, yeah. that's a big deal for you. Well... And it's only I only got up at 720 because my daughter was up many times throughout the middle of the night and I got up with her several of those times. But when she woke up for good, my wife was kind enough to get up. So she let me sleep a little bit and um, wait to have children. I can. It's our public I can <laughs> public service announcement yeah. for this day. Um, 
So, yeah, the Knicks have played some basketball games. Uh, I haven't spoken to you at all about them, have I? No. No. I was out. Yeah. It's, I was just before we got on, I was listening to um, Wendy and the and Wendy and the boys on the Hoop Collective pod for ESPN speak about the Knicks. Uh, actually, before the Pistons game, they recorded that episode on, I think, Friday afternoon. And uh, they were talking about how Knicks fans have a lot to be excited about this year. It's a good, competent, solid basketball team. And I was thinking back to like how I felt after the Memphis game. So, uh, Lose in Memphis by three in overtime, 115-112, and then destroy the Pistons, 130-106. And it, it made me think as I was coming on to talk to you, was I a little, was I a little too down on them? Was I, was I not upbeat enough? Was I not encouraged enough? Was I not drinking enough Kool-Aid after the Memphis game? And now, in light of what was a demolition of the Pistons, albeit one that had some dicey moments that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, um, I don't know. Just, I'll start here. How are you feeling about this team? Through two games, a whopping two games. Um, Massive like sample size. Yeah, seriously. Uh, they're a 500 team. They are. They're, a, they're a, an average team that plays up to competition against good teams. Um, and they don't let the bad teams run them out. I mean, last year, we we're at the beginning of the season talking about the Orlandos of the world. And granted, there will be an Orlando game coming up um, this week. Same spot in the schedule, right? Third yeah. game of the year. Third yep. game of the year. Um, where they just didn't respect them. And I feel like we're finally at the point where the Knicks are respecting other teams, but they also deserve to command respect. And, you know, yes, again, it is two games into the season. And I think the big thing with this as well is the season tells its own story. And we can't look for, like, we can't try to create the plot line of a story that's barely begun. You know, like as I see reactions to all these different players and outcomes, just let it run its course. We don't, that's why, as I always say, I hate analyzing like the first 10 games of the year because it's, there's so limited sample sizes here and performance wise that you can take them and you can, you can evaluate them as face value, but making larger pictures out of it, it just doesn't, doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But um, in the meantime, I, outside of the first half against Memphis, I think things are generally chugging along pretty nicely. Yeah. Um, yes, for sure. And I'm, I'm thinking about what you said about not trying to create more than there is. And I was not I, at you, by the way. No, I, no, I know you're not, but I, I'm actually, I think I may, it, it may have been inadvertently directed at me because I think I, like many Nick fans came into the regular season, the start of the regular season with some very strong preconceived notions about things that this team needed to do and could not do. And like how I wanted to see them play and like certain boxes I wanted to see them check. And then we also had four games worth of the preseason with which to, you know, to the extent that anything could be evaluated in the preseason, but at least a little bit more, you know, sprinkling of evidence. And now we've had these two games. And I, I, I think that's, those are, I guess my point is uh, I'll, I'm going to give you praise as I usually do wise words, because the season is going to be what it's going to be, regardless of what we thought or what we felt we needed coming into it. Um, and yeah, I think so far so good. I, I, I am, I am thinking back to, to last year, 
a little bit and only because so that first game um, they had was against Boston, which was, I would say, where Boston fit in the hierarchy of the league last year at the beginning of the season, similar to where I feel like where this Memphis team fits in the hierarchy of the league this season. And um, the difference between those two games may have been Evan Fournier hit all of his three pointers and extra periods in uh, against the Celtics. And he, he missed one uh, from the corner that would have sent to double overtime. Who knows what would have happened in double overtime. And then how did the Knicks follow up that first game last year? They went and kicked the crap out of a bad team by 25. Well, now they, kick the crap out of a bad team by uh, how many points? Yeah. Uh, about 25, close to 25, 24. So pretty close. So all this is to say, I will be watching closely to see how they follow up this very, this very encouraging win against the Pistons. Um, and we'll, we'll get into some of the details. I, I before we uh, hit on the couple of topics that Andrew has kindly provided for us, I will say, how worried were you when the Pistons cut the lead to 12 in the third quarter on Friday night? I wasn't worried. It was more just like, all right, this is not something you can blow. And they probably weren't going to. I knew, again, this is a nice run that the Pistons have. It's fine. Let them get them out of their system, get it out of their system. And they did. And I just, I knew with Tibbs, he was going to do something to at least stop the bleeding for the moment. Um, the nice thing was that the lead was so large that we didn't get to a situation like last year where the lead wasn't uh, quite that big and then the lead was gone and then he called a timeout. So progress. I see some growth. Nicely done, Thomas. Nicely done. And, you know, gathered the droops and was able to kind of send in the reinforcements. And I think that's important, of course. But no, I wasn't at the point where I was like, oh, my God. Detroit's going to storm back. This is not looking good. I, I think they're, they're done. I, I felt pretty safe by that point. I, I felt safe for the most part for the, I think it was approximately 20 seconds or maybe like 30 seconds of real lifetime that the lead was actually 12 after I think it was Cade hit a bucket. Um, and before uh, Derek Rose hit uh, Cam Reddish for a dunk down the middle of the lane. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Cam in a moment. For those 30 seconds, I was like, mm, we're, a, we're a basket away from this being a single digit game. And I got all the flashbacks came back. And maybe that's because I'm older and I have more PTSD under my belt than you do. But um, yeah, I, I definitely share. It's just I you have your fair share. I yeah. just knew this Pistons team wasn't this year going to be the reason. You know, maybe last year, last year, I could have actually been like, oh, yeah, I could see it. Um, this year, I felt a little bit better. So and and I think that is one of those things that myself and a lot of people had going as far as a positive into this year, Jalen Brunson, Derek Rose, uh, Derek Rose, of course, assisted Cam Reddish for that pass. Jalen Brunson hit some big buckets in the first half of that game where it was looking to get close. He hit some couple of buckets there in the third quarter before, you know, the Pistons got it even closer. I think those, those two players, Brunson and Derek Rose, um, going to make a lot of difference. This year, and they have certainly made a bit of a difference uh, so far. Okay, um, let's start before we we go into game balls and and all that stuff. Uh, let's start with Cam. So, Cam had not the game of his life. The game of his life was against the Bucks in the playoffs. Uh, I guess a year and a half ago, when he was still with the Hawks. Um, 
but this was certainly the game of his life as a Nick um, against the Grizzlies. And really you could even fine tune it down more than that. It was really like the quarter and a half of his life because I know he came out and he hit a couple of threes in the first half against Memphis, but he wasn't very good. He had a lot of negative plays. I went, I went and rewatched all of his possessions um, the morning after, and it was more bad than good for sure. And then he came out in the second half and he did the things that people have been waiting for him to do for, you know, three years. And he used all of his, you know, he seemed to harness all of that ability and, and all of those tools. And he gave you that flash where it's like, whoa, if this guy could do this on a regular basis, what, like, maybe the Knicks didn't screw up by making this trade. And then he came out against the Pistons and it was like, eh, nothing really to, to, to write home again. Um, about uh, other than that one dunk. I don't know where has your opinion on the Cam Reddish situation changed since the preseason or are you still kind of where, where you were? Has the position changed in the two games? I don't know if it has. And I don't mean that disrespectfully or as, as complimentary. It's, it's more just like Cam was acquired because the Knicks felt there was a pressing need of getting a larger defensive um, minded wing. I, I mean, defensive mind in the sense that Cam gambles sometimes to a fault, but he he's he fits something the Knicks really don't have. And a big wing who can actually create chaos with deflections and, and just be everywhere on defense. Um, or at least in his range, be it. Sure. That makes sense. And, you know, hitting his shots, of course, is going to be paramount to his success. Staying healthy is going to be important. And seeing what we saw in the second half of the Memphis game was so encouraging because Look, I know that you and I have talked about this in the past where we both have been under the expectation that given Cam's contract situation, given the role of the Knicks, all these different factors where he is a prime candidate for turning what was essentially what the, I guess the that Hornets pick which yes. may convert into two seconds into something that can help you better than that pick can, um, whether that's a long-term piece short-term, whatever it is. That's why it's been like, well, is he playing well because he's going to be here long-term? Is he playing well because the expectation is that he wants to be flipped? Is he expiring salary? All these things that kind of roommate. And, you know, it's just, I'm rooting for him, period, because it'd be silly not to root for him because he's on this team and there's no competition that I see that is merited for these players to go back and forth and one's better than the other. Just, all of them play well and the Knicks benefit uh, who to thunk, but with cam <laughs> it's, it's great to at least see him if he's staying healthy and he's doing what the Knicks hope he can do. That's, that's all you can ask for. Um, so again, it, does my opinion change? Not really, but it's great to see that he had that second half because if he didn't, it would kind of feel like, all right, well, yeah, it's two games, but we saw last year, not a lot going on. Obviously, tough with his situation to be traded to the team, not fit in because of the rotation, then get hurt when he finally had the opportunity just needs to stay healthy. And, but to be honest, the tricky part is it's not just, he needs to stay healthy. It's he needs to stay healthy. And someone like Quentin Grimes needs to be out of the rotation or, or not necessarily like, Grimes. It right, could, but like it, it, it's, as an yeah. example, at this moment, like Quentin yeah. Grimes not being healthy. He is the reason why Cam Reddish is able to be there. Um, Evan Fournier being traded or, you know, whatever it may be, and the opportunities will shake themselves out, but that's where Cam Reddish needs to be able to produce. And um, whether it's fair or not, that's not necessarily up for the debate right now. It's just, it is what it is. And what it is, is that 
Cam needs to keep having performances like that to show to Tibbs, listen, I'm not the 11th guy. I'm, I'm very clearly in the top 10, but that also just may be out of Tibbs' control as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in wait and see mode. I, I really want to, and again, I don't, other than uh, Andrew could chime in on this, other than Julius Randle, was I out on anybody as much as I was out on Cam Reddish? No. I, mean, gonna I was going to say, I didn't even turn my mic on for that. <laughs> Just shake. <laughs> shake this. It was Randall. I don't recall any other players you said you hated for whatever. I don't listen. I don't, I don't hate it. No, no, no. I know. But, I know. Uh, yeah, but. I don't know. We have the ta- we have the tape. Could roll back. <laughs> don't please don't. The, um, the attitude toward Cam has consistently been: we're shocked that he's still on this team. Yes. Whereas with Julius, it was wishful thinking that he would be off this team, and that. I think translates into how improbable Wednesday night's performance was that this 11th, potentially even 12th man had the game he did and contributed the way he did. And and the difference, and actually, no, I'll even take that back. There's a similarity between my feelings about Julius and Cam in that I don't think either of them are players that are lost causes far from it. I think there was a role for, I think we'll get to Julius. He's the next topic. Um, even though he's played well, I still think his ideal role would be as like a six man on a contending team, go out, play 25 minutes a night, many of which probably would be at center um, and and not have to worry about the things that the Knicks have to worry about with him as, as they're one of their starting main pieces. Cam, similarly, I think there is a role for him somewhere in the league based on the things that he has said previously about what he sees for himself as an NBA player. Uh, and that role would be to go out and do all of the things that he needs to do that are not, that are above and beyond the role of like a three and D wing, which is, it would seem like the Knicks are more in need of. Now what happened in that Memphis game, RJ Barrett was terrible. um, And there was an opportunity for someone to take on a little bit of a bigger slice of the pie. And he did, and he was incredibly successful with it. Um, So I started to wonder, I'm like, huh, is there more of an opportunity on this team than we realize? Could he step foot into that role? Is he, is he suddenly as, as the, as the light, you know, suddenly gone off. And then you see a follow-up from him where it's like, okay, he's still capable of these kind of eh, nothing really going on here games. And it kind of leaves me with like, I do wonder if this guy should be on a, on a team in a role where it's just like, look, you're going to get 25 to 30 minutes a night. Some nights are going to be really good. Some nights are going to be not so good. And I'm reminded of, speaking of the Hawks, the situation with Tim Hardaway Jr. After the Knicks traded him to Atlanta several years ago, and they kind of gave him a chance to redo essentially a rookie year as a third-year player, or as by that point, maybe as a fourth-year player. Um, and like start from scratch, be like, whatever you did previously, like we're not even going to worry about it. You're going to go out there, we're going to treat you like a rookie almost. I wonder if that's what he needs. And that is not something that is going to be, I don't think at least possible with this team, but who knows? Maybe he goes out there. He plays two, three more great games in a row. And I'm going to look ridiculous. Maybe he goes out there and he plays two, three more terrible games in a row. And this is a, a conversation that people are going to be like, Oh, remember when we were talking about Cam Reddish in the first week of the season, it's wait and see. I, I it sounds like Grimes. Do you think Grimes is going to play on, uh, on Monday? I don't. I don't. I think they're going to take it as slow as possible. I, I think so too. 
So I think Cam's at the very least, he's going to get another, another shot, maybe another couple of shots. Um, let's talk about Julius. Good. It's good. Things are good with Julius Randle. Bad. <laughs> I don't mean that as a slight. I'm just saying like the one thing with Julius was, he was always talking about the bad and he's, he has been good, but especially not bad. And listen, uh, double negative is a plus. So even just generally speaking, um, that's math. That's it. So, let's say that's just math. Yeah. So yeah, he's been good. Um, I, I liked again, be, be wary of like preseason slash early season Kool-Aid, but I liked what Derek Rose had to say about him. Um, I think it was after, was after the second game, um, after the, after the Pistons game where he was basically like, he's it's a different mentality, different approach. He's playing differently. The whole thing. And, and I, I took note of that only because it was Derek Rose. Derek Rose is someone, as we've talked about on the show, he, he kind of says what's on his mind. He's not out there to, to uh, spout the company line. So for him to sing Julius's praises is like, look, this, this new leaf that appears to be turned over, this is real. Um, and then the evidence on the court. And then again, I went back and rewatched um, the most of the first half of the Pistons game, certainly all the possessions that Julius had before he was subbed out. There were a lot of nice passes that he made that did not result in assists because guys just missed shots. And, but he was making the right play. There were a couple of shots in there. It's like, eh, ideally not what Julius should be taking, but so far so good. I'm not to the point where I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a top 10 offense. Or a top fifteen effective field goal percentage, as it were. But I'm. I, I it was a bold like, predictions podcast, John. I went bold with a, for the first one with, with a capital B and a capital O and a capital L, capital D. Listen, they can't all be Demar Derozan's, all right? Oh my god! <laughs> wow, that was. You were never gonna let me live that down. Listen, I'm fighting fire with fire. That's all. It's fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I, I don't know what else. Again, it's two games. It's two. Not bad games. It's I think it's overall two pretty good games. Let's see if it continues. Let's hope it continues. Yeah. And, you know, this is where for me, it's like, how do you parse out the difference? Because it it is only two regular season games. Like with Cam, obviously he left early for one of them, didn't really play much. Some of the preseason didn't get the minutes that you might think he, he could easily get. And with Julius, it feels like it's been six consecutive games where he's been he's been fine. He's been fine to good. And that's still not a large enough sample size, but you know, like I look at these two games and I look at the fact that he has taken 28 shots through those two games, it's 14 a game. He has taken all but five either inside the paint or behind the three point line. Yeah. Unfortunately, those five that he's taken all misses, which again, like that's going to happen, but I, it's an early look perhaps at, Something that he did, which was taking a lot of mid-range shots. And it worked the year that he was most improved player of the year. And it did not work last year. And I think if he recognizes those aren't the smart shots we're going to take, those aren't the best analytically driven shots that I can take. I'm also not hitting them at the clip that I used to. That was a great year. But if I can't replicate that, then I'm hurting my team. That's the sort of mindset that I think is so crucial because at the end of the day, if you're playing well, then people are going to respect you, but it's not just playing well because we've seen other players not play to the best of their abilities. And obviously as Knicks fans, um, we've ripped them because of course that's just what we do. But in terms of at least the attitude and approach that he takes, 
that's the different story. And so he just, it seems like he's ready to work. He wants to put everything behind him. And I respect that. And I want to do the same. And I think that him being able to just kind of continue down this path where not turning the ball over, not forcing it, um, especially from the shot selection. I mean, he's, I think, seven of nine from the rim. Um, that's, that's great. Like that is obviously nine shots. What are we talking about? But if you can keep something on that, you know, even if it comes down at 10 percentage points, you're doing a really nice job there. So yeah, just effort mentality selection. Those are the big things. And I think he's, we're seeing a new Julius and, um, you know, I'm prepared to, to say, Hey, that was wrong. If he decides to go back to his old self, but I don't think he's going to. I, I think this is what I think what we're seeing is what we're getting, and I think this is going to maintain throughout the season. I don't think he's going to go back in the sense that it, if this team remains mostly healthy, and I'm going to be more specific and say if Jalen Brunson remains healthy, and ideally Derek Rose does too, that means at no point in time should Julius ever look around and be like, "Oh, I need to, I got to take over right now." because there's no one else who could do it um, to say nothing of RJ um, also embodying, I think a different role now than he did at the beginning of the season uh, four of nine from deep for Julius Randall. Uh, it'd be lovely if he shot 44% from three all year. We're not going to count on that, but Hey, good early sign um, on that note two two other quick topics. One RJ Barrett uh, has taken nine, three pointers has has not made any of them. Not, I'm not worried. Not worried, right? Sure. Oh, were you saying about your prediction or about RJ Barrett? Oh, that he was going to hit <laughs> Oh my god, I forgot. About, why do you have to have such a good memory? I it's a blessing and a curse. Um, no, I'm not super worried about RJ at the moment. Okay. Obviously, the first game was very concerning, um, but it's the sort of thing where he like. We got to see the things that he was really focusing on. I, I feel like this happens too, where the Knicks players start out poorly and then it happens in consecutive years or so. And then um, people just forget about it. And then it happens again. And it's like, oh, well, yeah. this dude, we saw this. You know, right. Like, uh, unfortunately, RJ can't play the Pacers soon enough to write the ship. But, uh, <laughs> but for right now, it's like some of those looks were not great. Um, some of them I thought were just, Unlucky. Uh, but to me, I feel like the shot is going to fall because we know that the shot looks good. Uh, his form looks nice. He's really worked on that. For me, it's still just pull up threes. It's finishing through contact, making free throws, that sort of thing. So those and those three areas, I can't feel like we can evaluate enough. And I, I think that's all the other thing where the reason why I feel confident about Julius, whereas I'm still uncertain with cam is because with Julius, it's not even about making or missing the shots. It's about how the offense, right. The approach for him. And with cam, it's very much of a, um, a make or miss situation for him. And I'm not saying it's fair that it's one way or the other. It just feels like it is. So, um, cause one guy has the ball a lot more than the other guy. Um, and one guy's a proven commodity, whether it's a good proven or not, it's a different story. And the other guy is, you know, on the periphery of the rotation needs to show why he, um, has a role, not a role in this league as in like, he doesn't belong in the NBA, but ha- it d- is deserving of being a quality <clears throat> rotation player on one of the teams. I'm not saying he's not, it's just, that's yeah. the proof. I will say with Cam, for, it, it has been three years now, whether it's in Atlanta or here, where, where observers have mostly been saying the same thing, which is like, get to the rim, 
like take the ball to the rim, all the way to the rim, draw some, draw some fouls. Um, you know, use again, use the ability that we saw on that drive baseline that where he just like put the entire Grizzlies team in a spin cycle and got, a you know, just a great, and that was one of like three baskets in the second half there where you, I, you, I mean, you had to raise your eyebrows and you're like, what, where has this been? He has always had that ability in him. That's to me, the approach part for, for Reddish. Um, all right. Enough about Cam. Well, yeah. I just want to add one more thing. Yeah. I want to give him credit for that three that he made, obviously making it was the important part, but it did not seem as though that play was designed for him and for his ability to kind of, I thought it was, you really did. I did. I did. Okay. I thought it was for him. All right. Well, even still, if either it was for him and it was drawn up really <clears throat> nicely and he did exactly what he needed to do, or it was not. And he, Cut to the corner, which really heads up play. I the, when I was rewatching it, I the reason why I wasn't sure is because obviously Brunson's driving, and the Knicks are down three, so they need a three or they need to draw enough contact to get the and one, which is a trickier thing to do. Yeah. Um, so that's why I I can see the the point of like oh well no that it was let's draw it up for him and did a great job either way did did the role that was asked of him or made something out of nothing and, um, and provide it. But yes, that's, that's all I wanted to compliment him on. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about Factor. Factor makes it easy to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves you time by delivering chef-crafted meals to your doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep. Not to mention cleanup, no dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with 29 meal options each week, I'm never bored. 
Going off script for this next part to tell you just how convenient and delicious I've found Factor. My to-do list is usually never ending. I rarely have time for meal prep. When Factor sent me a box to test out, I chose the extra protein option. They sent me a week's worth of meals and I had no idea just how convenient this was going to be. Each meal comes pre-prepared. You just put it in the microwave for two minutes, wait another two minutes for it to cool down, and boom, in four minutes, my meal is ready and it's delicious as well. Last night while I was editing this podcast, I heated up the pork shepherd's pie with white cheddar, Yukon mash, and roasted green beans. Not only was the prep time non-existent, but I was able to get a lunch break in and still get the podcast out for all of you to hear without taking a significant break. They have plenty of other meal options as well. There's vegan and veggie meals, keto, low-calorie options, cold-pressure juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, the one I chose, veggie sides, and more to keep you fueled and focused all day long. Don't hesitate. Head to go.factor75.com slash filmschool60 and use code filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code filmschool60 at go.factor75.com slash filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. Uh, before we give out our game ball and put someone in detention, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers play in the same division as the Knicks and were the championship pe- uh, pick of some folks around the league are 0-3. Um, after 0-2, I don't know that anybody was pretty worried. In fact, there was a lot of positive comments emanating from Philly. Uh, James Harden saying he felt good. Of course, those first two losses were to the uh, Milwaukee Bucks and uh, Boston Celtics, who are arguably the other top two teams in the East. Last night, um, they lost to the uh, what, which crappy team? The Spurs. The Spurs, that's right. The San Antonio Spurs, who um, are now two and one, by the way. <laughs> Shout out to San Antonio because they beat Indiana. I love these early season results. It's just great but stuff. Got blown out at home by Charlotte. Got blown out at home by Charlotte. <laughs> Without LaMelo. Can't basketball. Can't yeah. Um, although Charlotte, I was I was watching the Charlotte game against New Orleans. Charlotte looked pretty good in that game, too. And yeah. New Orleans coming off a really good game against Brooklyn. So who, who knows about the Hornets? Um, but yeah, where was that Sixers game uh, played last night? By the way, John, was that must have been in San Antonio? No. Oh, really? Interesting. <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, so you're saying it was in Philly, not a neutral location. In Philly, huh? Wow. You are you are rubbing it. You are rubbing it in. Get it in because yeah. their baseball team and their football team are getting too high. So I'm a okay <laughs> with taking all the shots well, at their basketball team. I unfortunately have to start rooting for their baseball team, but uh, no, you don't. Yeah, I do. Just pretend uh, baseball really. doesn't exist. It works. No, it, Trust me. It works. <laughs> I I'm it's not very healing, it, so Jeremy. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Joel Embiid went for 40. Um, I, I, sh- God, no, I should have the freaking box score up in front of me. But I know James Harden, I believe, went four for 16. Andrew, does that check out? Four for 18. Jeff. Oh, uh, four for 18. Uh, my apologies. Um, <laughs> gave him a little bit too much credit there. Mm-hmm. I think this is the early NBA storyline of the first week. Uh, I don't know how it could not be. I remember. I don't have Andrew's photographic memory when it comes to this stuff, but there was a year in the mid aughts, mid to late aughts, where both the Suns and the Mavs, one of them started off like zero and four, and the other one started off like one and five. I remember they played each other, and like you know, 
it was a big it was a big deal because both teams were struggling so much. Both of those teams went on to have wonderful seasons as expected. So like it's the 07 season. The 07, there you go. Because both teams ended up because that's the when the Mavericks won 68 games or whatever it was, and then lost to the We Believe Warriors. Then the the Suns also started off slow, and then they both went on like they were like 50 and five over the next 55 games. Yeah. So you're amazing, by the way. Um, so how, how you remember like, that? I, I, I incredible. If I watched it, I remember it. So, like, look, let's let's uh, as a as a wise as a wise quarterback once said, relax. Um, that said, I you know we're always looking for storylines. This this is this is on the verge of being a storyline. Yeah, and Bill Simmons didn't exactly help that storyline, did he? That is I, why I wrote the thing, Jeremy. That's why I added it as a I topic. A, Thank you, Jeremy. I didn't even. Way, what did he I do? Was I, right. I don't pay attention so, to Bill Simmons. I don't either. I've actually muted him on Twitter, but other people have <clears throat> talked about it enough for me to then see the storyline. So you're going to get my live reaction. What did he say? Bill Simmons talked about the Sixers' shaky start. Mind you, this was before they lost to the Spurs, and he said, "Oh, you know something. Uh, something to watch is Joel Embiid trade rumors. Um, you know." Going to the Knicks because Leon Rose was his agent and in that whole, you know, paper trail of him looking like Charlie Day from Always Sunny with Pepe Silvio. Okay. I cannot believe I'm taking this perspective. I'm gonna defend Bill for a second. I because not, I don't think it I was like asking speed. I'm fine, but yeah. as a Yankee, as a New Yorker, we like to laugh at Boston when we can. Fortunately, we haven't been had the chance to that often lately. Anyway, um, Although Jets play the Patriots next Sunday, it could be a potential fun game. Anyway, Bill opened the show to what Jeremy's saying, basically saying, Embiid, keep an eye on that because that might be the next disgruntled star asking out. And but can, I, can I jump in very quickly? That, yeah, he, he was, I think that's the position a lot of people took where Embiid was concerned immediately after last season. Mm hmm. Because Harden, they had made, obviously, they got all in for Harden. Harden looked like poo in the playoffs. He's not getting any younger. And then they went out and they had a nice offseason. So that, I, I think, just stemmed the tide for a period of time. Now, so I had a chance to watch a little bit of both of the first two games that the Sixers played against Celtics and the, the Bucks. As did I. They've recreated a lot of the everybody stand around and watch James Harden do stuff that they did in Houston, which Embiid and his body language. And then he refused to talk to the media yep. Yep. after the second game does not seem to like this, which is why Bill said what he said. And as much as I agree, he can be a little conspiracy theorist. Sometimes he does. So from a place of it, it seems from a place of informed during the summer, he was like, are we a hundred percent sure Durant's going back to Brooklyn? Like, are we 100% sure? A week later, Kevin Durant asked for a trade. So yeah. he still hears stuff. He does hear stuff, which is why I'm not putting any validation on like, oh, and bead to the Knicks is like only a matter of time. I just think it's fascinating that we're three games in and that like the, the Spurs game is the first time I was like, oh, this is this is alarming. This, I, I, I mean, 07, 07 is the game, November 9, 2006. So the 06, 07 season where the one in four Mavericks played the one in five Suns, two teams that won in the 60s yeah. that season. Having said that, I was I would be a little confused if I were a Sixer fan that this is how this season started, you know? 
Yeah. As, as much as I also like to make fun of Bill Simmons, I actually, I don't think it's that far fetched with Embiid. Me neither. Um, I like he's, he's 28 years old, prime of his career. I look at the roster. It feels it's never felt cohesive enough to me. They've got some nice bright spots on it, but it's never felt like, especially with their coaching, that this is something that's going to work out. And maybe it does. Maybe, you know, I can eat my words, but the, uh, kind of going in on Harden was their big move. They don't really have a ton left in the chamber. They have some movable salary, but it's not great. Like you're not going to be able to move Tobias Harris this year for something that's really solid. I, the, PJ Tucker, I think, was a nice addition, but at the same time, he works really nicely as a small ball five. And the whole point of having Joel Embiid is that he's going to be the center on the floor. So if they can work together, that's great, but it doesn't feel like the most opportune mixing and matching to me. Like, Thibault is a great defender, but he can't hit a shot. And I think he's not even in the rotation. Right. Saturday night was his first night in the the rotation and barely so. Right. Maxi, obviously, really promising player. I like him a lot. But it's it's all those sort of things where the challenge of how you build around a player. And at what point does a player say, like, I've done everything I can. And it also may not be in his ability to say so. You know, like he could say, I want to be out. And like the Nets with Kevin Durant, they said, no, we're not trading you. And so there's no reason why the Sixers may not feel the same way. Like, why should we trade you? Because if we trade you, then it, it's a failure on our part. And it's a faster way for us to lose our jobs. And obviously, I'm not saying that Embiid this year, it would obviously be summer, but like that sort of mindset where it's like, all right, we have you under contract for another three years plus a player option after that. We're not going to let you go. And if we have to let you go, we're going to take everything from another team. Because why wouldn't we? Because Joel Embiid finished second in MVP voting last year. So, um, but yeah, this season plus two or this season plus three? No, the, it's, it, it's, it's more than that. It's this season plus three and plus a player option. Okay. So theoretically Embiid is under contract for four years and another 79 games. Yeah. I, I it's a lot. I, I don't, it, it becomes the summer of Donovan Mitchell all over Can again I, next summer. I don't think so. I was ask out, but I don't, I don't think so at all. And I'm just going to say this now because I don't want to keep talking about it. I'm just going to say my piece and, mm-hmm. and, and that we're probably hopefully not going to have to revisit this on a regular basis. I think it's extraordinarily different than the summer of Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And here's why. Donovan Mitchell, it, all the questions were, well, how much do they have, can they give up? Because if you trade for this guy, you still need the other piece. There is no conversation of that ilk with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is like, if you go all in on him, he's the number one. And you hope to God that whatever you have left on the roster is enough to fill two, three, four, so on and so forth. That's number one. I think two, Joel Embiid has shown himself to be the sort of personality and just have a certain way about him that if he goes to the Sixers and is like, I don't want to be here anymore. I'll work with you guys in terms of like, you know, figuring out something that helps you guys out a lot in terms of trading me. I think they would. I do not think it would be a Durant situation. I think the Sixers are in a unique position where they have one young stud in Tyrese Maxey that is good enough to feel great about your future because, and again, he has two more years left on his, on his rookie deal two years minus three games. Um, But he's also not so good that they could not potentially go into the tank for a year um, if they needed to, which leads me to the other part of this, which is outstanding draft picks, which I just had up and where did it go? Here we go. Um, So Philadelphia 76ers owe 
a top. They owe this year's pick. So that's why there's not going to be any trade this year. Oh, yeah. They own their 2024 first round draft pick. They then owe a pick to Oklahoma City in 2025 that is protected for selections one through six. Very interesting protections, one through six, because you can ensure yourself of keeping that selection if you finish with one of the worst two records in the league. I don't even necessarily think it would come to that, but there is a chance for them organizationally to go into a mini tank, a mini pivot, and then get right back at it by the time they owe those the um, the 25 pick can convey and they owe another pick past that to Brooklyn from the Harden trade. Um, and yeah, I just think like, if ever there was a situation where I could see something happening, all of the stars line up for it to happen. And this is the thing where the next, they, they, they wouldn't have to have any internal deliberations about, Oh, well, how much should we give up for? No, you just, you give everything and then you take your chances. That's it. I didn't mean to imply that I just <clears throat> meant the situation of a guy with three years left would become available. I don't think, I don't actually think there's much smoke here, let alone fire. I, I am in agree. Once you guys said it's literally four plus one, um, Embiid is more of a candidate if the Nets ever wanted to trade Durant, and like those are the caliber of players yeah, that would go. And at that point, what's the point? I don't think you're. Yeah, I don't. I. I anyone listening to this podcast knows Joel Embiid has been the name that has been my personal like. He's the he's the disgruntled star that I want. I've been saying this for years. Yeah, years. And I, I, I would go all. Oh my God, would I go all in on him? One other little thing, little 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 little, little tiny tidbit. Went under the radar. Ian Begley, in his preseason predictions column or preseason something column, had a whole little section about Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris, local guy, represented by his father, another local guy. Um, I thought it was interesting that Ian Begley had a whole section in which he talked up Tobias Harris as someone who was going to play a prominent role in the Eastern Conference this year for Philadelphia or somebody else. This is a guy who I think there has been murmurings for a while. Someone potentially unhappy with his role, does not see himself as a fourth option on a team. I wonder if just in terms of the pecking order in that locker room, there is some, you know, some consternation amongst the the prominent pieces there. And that could be because, again, it all comes down to chemistry, you know, with these things. You could have all the talent in the world and if the chemistry isn't right. Um, you hear that, Jeremy? We're getting Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris in this. No, deal. that was not my my. No, no, we. I'm fucking with you. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the the point the but but the thing with with Tobias is as everybody should know at this point, like at that salary, he's not an asset, and that's the that's the main issue here is the Philadelphia 76ers have no way to improve their team at all. Because they don't, they can't trade picks, and they're the only young player they have is to, is Tyrese Maxey. They're not going to trade him because he they, helps them. Win. They, they can trade picks. The problem is that it twenty twenty nine. They can trade twenty twenty. No, no, no. The way the way that it could work is they can trade the twenty twenty seven pick, but it has to convey two years after. But but yes, the issue there is that they'd have to amend the protections on one of those picks because at the latest it could be 2028 for one of them. So it's, they're in a really I, tricky situation. I'm like looking they, at it now. They owe 2025 and 2027. Right. So they would have to amend the protections on the 2028 pick, but they can so still the 2027 to trade 29. 
No, but because 2028 is one through eight protected and then nine to 30, if it's not already settled at this moment, that's the tricky part. They still, okay. even, though, even though they're locked up, they still can say, hey, we can trade a pick two years there, in the future yes, from, yes. Where, from where they're at in 2025. Yes. But there's a chance that pick doesn't convey based on a couple different factors. But no matter what, they're they're handcuffed pretty badly. So so great. They find a team willing or, or let me rephrase that. It's Brooklyn. They were they would work with uh or I guess OKC. One one of the two teams. The, yeah. t- Brooklyn is 2027, OKC is 2025. Let fine. You amend you 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 screw with the language and you you make it so that you can trade one, one yeah. distant, distant, distant first round pick that plus Tobias Harris at that get at that number gets you what? I mean, if you add in Tyrese Maxey, then maybe it's a conversation. So like, I don't know. What are, what are we looking at here? That's your, that's your Durant trade, uh, Andrew, or I, I don't, I did not expect us to go this deep into the, <laughs> the war chest that well, the Philadelphia welcome, 76ers welcome to, have. Welcome to the NBA in 2022, where yes. this is what it's all about. I so. have a prediction. What? And the Sixers are going to be fine. I think they're 0 3 and they're going to win 50 games anyway. They could be fine this year and it will mean nothing if it goes south in the playoffs in a significant that's, enough way. I that's think a, that's I the think fine part. Absolutely though, be yeah. fine. But what yeah. is fine? Fine isn't what their goal is. Their goal is to at least make a conference final, something they haven't done since I want to say 2001. Um, so, that, like, yes, the regular season to me doesn't matter for them. It matters in the playoffs and. Look, if they underperform, it's very clear that Doc Rivers is gone and they'll try to do some sort of shakeup from a roster perspective as best they can. But they're limited in that capacity as well. So, um, you know, like with what John's saying, I I think the Embiid thing is something to monitor 2024, maybe 2025. Right. Like when there are fewer years left on Embiid's contract, when he's older, you know, for big men who are older, there's a risk involved. And I think that. Also, by that point, you're looking at James Harden, who's 35 years old. Uh, that it, it's like the next. I hear what Bill's saying. And I don't think it's crazy, but I think it's crazy at this moment. And I think it's crazy this season. But a year, two years from now, I, I think there's definitely some merit to it. hundred percent. I. I think we're getting a six month jump on a conversation that could absolutely happen this upcoming summer with three years left on this deal. That's we could agree to disagree no, no. there, but that's no, where I, I'm at. I don't disagree with you because of the fact that we talked about Donovan Mitchell was 2023 and he was actually traded 2022. The difference being dude on a second contract versus a dude who signed a third contract, very different situation, different ages, a lot of different factors. Um, so I, again, I don't think that mindset is crazy. I just think might be more likely 2024 because if you're Daryl Morey, why do you pull the plug in 2023? You haven't been there that long. You still get the ability to have another coaching change. You'll try to you work do. around the margins before you trade Joel Embiid. Like with Donovan Mitchell, they wanted to rip the bandaid off. I don't think if they wanted to implode the team that they would have traded Donovan Mitchell this past offseason, but they did. And then they traded him. And I think that they're not at that point yet where they have to nuke the team with Joel Embiid, even if things go south this season. I think that's why they'll give it another year. Maybe a year after that. Um, but this is the NBA where things can just go <laughs> sideways and uh, you just never know. This is indeed the NBA. Uh, God love it. But what a league. Now we got a six month head start on that conversation. Listen, I brought it up. I brought it up. Not bad for a couple of of fanboys, huh? Yeah. Just (laughs) chatting about podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) Us uninformed fanboys that know all the protections on picks. Into the the Sixers in 2028 and 29. Listen, anybody can do it, right? Yeah. 
not touching that one. Uh, all right. Already we'll touched. Give- Don't worry. <laughs> Smooth Sack Summer is slowly coming to an end, fellas. If you haven't been scaping for the summer sun, it's not too late to sweep your sack of those pesky pubes. As summer comes to an end, keep your boys clean and fresh just in time for fresh ball fall. The leader in below-the-waist grooming is here to make sure your pubes feel smoother than a beach ball and smell fresher than your girl's pumpkin spice. Start the new season the right way and join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FILMSCHOOL at manscaped.com. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to keep your sweet, sweet sack in check. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear Hair and Nose Hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RP motor, a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Whether you're hopping in the shower or hitting up the lake, this razor will devour even the strongest pubes. Now that your sack is smooth, lather up with Manscaped's liquid formulations to get that fresh ball fall freshness with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to stay cool in the heat. Their soothing aloe vera formula is the best in the business for below-the-waist freshness, and the clear drying formula keeps your sack looking and smelling good. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. That'll bring your comfort to another level at home and on the go. Keep yourself groomed from head to toe with their Shears 2.0, a luxury nail grooming kit. This kit includes stainless steel nail cutters, tweezers, and grooming scissors. With the performance package, your balls will be ready to impress, but make sure you cover the rest with the Shears 2.0. Don't hesitate. Get 20% off and free shipping with code FILMSCHOOL at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code FILMSCHOOL at manscaped.com. Keep things smooth and fresh as we say sayonara to smooth sack summer and hello to fresh ball fall. You want to give out a game ball? Yes. Yes, All I right. do. Who gives out the first game ball? I do. I won last year. That's oh still reign supreme. That just is for predictions. No, that, that is not true. Last year, what happened at the end of the season was because John kept going first with the game ball and we determined the winner of the predictions gets to go first for game ball. Okay, fine. I, I won the preseason prediction. You know what? Jeremy, you're first. Thank you. I'm giving my game ball to the one, the only Jalen Brunson. Ah, damn you. I didn't yes, put him. That's why I took uh, the game ball first, knowing this. The reason I have it is Jalen Brunson. And the reason why John would have picked Jalen Brunson as well is because Jalen Brunson didn't have a specific standout performance in either game. The first game, uh, not great, but it was a debut. Second game, certainly better. To me, Jalen Brunson being able to run an offense, to set his players up for success, to quarterback a team is going to be the difference between the Knicks that we saw last year and the Knicks that we're seeing hopefully this year. Um, Yes, you could look at the 15 assists and zero turnovers and marvel at that. And that is something worth being impressed about. And if anything, I feel like I should have stuck with the fact instead of the effective field goal percentage, top 10, top 15, I should have said, yeah, you know what? I am going to double down on my assist to turnover ratio for the Knicks being a top 10 team. But alas, I did not. But for Jalen Brunson, 
it, a lot of it comes to Julius Randall for me, where we talked about Julius and how he's not bad. And that's great. You just need him to not be bad. And having a competent point guard be able to set the table for someone like him, where he doesn't have to feel like the responsibility is entirely on his shoulders. I think you basically solve two problems right there, right? Like 40% of your starting rotation is now settling in nicely. And then you fill in the other gaps and, you know, Evan Fournier really hasn't been much of a factor. You hope Quentin Grimes can get in there when he's healthy. RJ, the shot should eventually fall. Mitch looked really good in preseason, obviously has had some foul trouble issues, but as a whole, you think, all right, well, based on where he's at in his career, the strength, the conditioning, uh, just being now in his fifth year in the NBA, that he's someone who can take that next step forward. And I think it just all is bundled beautifully by having Brunson right in there. And um, it's not a matter of that, like Derek Rose or Emmanuel quickly can't rise to the occasion on nights. We've seen that happen for both of them. It's just, it goes to the reason why I was so eager to have Brunson on this team and especially the fact that he was able to sign for the contract he did was for this stability, just able to make the people around him better. And in return, the Knicks become a better team. And um, I think it's great. I look forward to seeing it more often. Love him. And uh, yeah, just really happy he's here. Uh, you took the obvious pick. I hate you for that. Um, hmm. All right. You know what? Um, Got to do it. Uh, Julius Randle. Julius Randle gets my game ball. Oh, wow. That's a face from Andrew. Uh, look, he, I've, I've been saying, I mean, I, hopefully I've been saying that I would be fair if I saw what I needed to see. And I've seen what I needed to see. I will. Are there issues? Yeah. Um, do I think he's, again, I'll repeat what I said a little while ago. I, I still do not think even the pretty much the best version of Julius Randle. I still don't love his fit on this team. I think there could be a, a better fit in this starting five. I, I think potentially that that better fit might be on the roster right now in the form of Obi Toppin. And it it is it was painful to see Obi Toppin play. Uh, what was it? Thirteen minutes. Thirteen minutes. on opening night. Unlucky and then, thirteen as one person. Unlucky thirteen, and then. Um, had it not been for the fact that the second game was a blowout, probably would have been about that in the second game as well, because he played seven minutes in the first half of, um, of the Pistons game. That's a real issue. It's going to be an issue moving forward. Um, I, there's no way around it. I, I'm, I'm let's just say I'm curious how, how that resolves itself one way or another, but none of that has to do with Julius Randle. Julius Randle's, been everything we could have expected. Um, and if he continues playing like this, I think the Knicks are going to be a good team. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Good job by him. And, and also I, I would be remiss if I did not say like, if Julius is having a good game and, and they're home, could we maybe do without the Obi Toppin chance? Could we, could we maybe do without the Obi Toppin chance. And I love, like we all love Obi Toppin. We all want to see Obi Toppin play 25 minutes a game. There's no one who doesn't. That said, there is a point where things become counterproductive. And I think that might've been a little counterproductive. Like the vibes are good right now. As Andrew, you, you were saying before, vibes are good. Let's keep the vibes good. That's all. Yeah. I mean, Julius hearing Obi Toppin means not Julius Randall. And that sucks. Exactly. And I yeah. don't, I, well, I'd feel upset if I were him too, especially since they're not going to play together. So yeah, yeah, it's a good pick in a game. They're blowing out the other team I, too. Like, 
It just, I don't know. That brought me the wrong, wrong way too. I'm glad we addressed it. I, I didn't care for it. Um, so wait, now that you gave the game ball, do I give the detention first? Yes. See, now you've that's, doubly fucked no, me because now I have to give the detention to the person that I already have the reputation of hating. So why do you hate him, John? He's got to walk off the set right now. I'm going to leave. I'm just going <laughs> to leave the set. Hold on. Let me see. Is there someone uh, else I can give it yes, to you? Yes, there's a fourth option of nobody that none of you guys have ever selected. You do not have to give out detention. You could just say nobody. The vibes are immaculate right now. Who cares if RJ's off to a slow start from three? Um, no, but that's not within the spirit of the exercise. Then give it to Brian Cashman. Oh, hey, <laughs> I'd like to have a say. Yeah, I was about to say. Brian. I'm going to that for Jeremy. You can't um, give it to Aaron Boone. You know what? <laughs> this is going to be... I, I'm in a no-win situation. Uh, I'm going to give my uh, detention to Evan Fournier. Not because he's done... <laughs> Not because he's done anything like out of character for Evan Fournier, but I just wish and it's not even because he deserves it. I think he's a helpful piece. I think he deserves to play minutes for this team, all things being equal. Um, unfortunately, all things are not equal. And this team is in a place where organizationally, I just I, I can't fully justify Evan Fournier getting getting minutes. And I would just like to put him in detention so he is out of the rotation and someone else could take his place. <laughs> so sorry, Evan. Sound reasoning. There you go. Seems Jeremy. Like a guy, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, I'm going to go with a non-basketball detention. I'm going to go with the entire organization that is the Yankees. Um, listen. Even like the ball boys and like the grounds crew? Yeah, they're responsible. They play a role. Uh, the Yankees are feeling like the 76ers, where you have a nice regular season and then you just crap the bed when it comes to the postseason. Like this team had a great first half. And then it was just absolute garbage. They can't hit. They're not managed well. The, the relief pitchers come in in the worst possible spots. But to be fair, because the team has been playing well enough to make the ALCS, even though part of me wishes that they had lost the Guardians because I had a feeling this was going to happen. And this is almost more embarrassing, even if they advance one more round. I'm going to blame ownership in the front office because uh, I don't know how you trade for Josh Donaldson and Isaiah, Isaiah kind falefa and you roll with them because you don't, you don't understand that you can just not play them. And uh, it just looks bad. It looks terrible. Uh, Donaldson sucks as a person and as, as an offensive player right now. I don't know, man. Bryce Harper is uh, one win away from the World Series. You could have just signed him. Like this idea that you couldn't have done it because of financial commitments or restraints. Like you could have had Harper and Stanton, another player in the NLCS, Manny Machado. Like you, you could have had opportunities to sign these guys, and you took yourself out of it. Why? Because you just wanted to be frugal. Because you didn't want to give up a compensation pick. Because you're just able to see the game differently. I don't really know. Feels dumb. There's never any responsibility. Boone's probably gone. Hal and Cashman will continue to just operate as if it's a business and not a baseball team. And uh, yeah, so uh, thanks for the memories. 2022 New York Yankees. Um, I wouldn't blame Judge for not resigning because if he looks around, he's like, look at what I'm doing for this team. How are they going to help me? But I think he will stay. I think he'll stay, which is good. Because if he doesn't, then um, Andrew, I don't know what baseball is. I have no idea what you've been talking about. I've heard of rounders. Three minutes. Can I ask a question? Yes. Yeah. 
who who would who will slash would get more Aaron Judge this summer or Giannis Antetokounmpo if he was a unrestricted free agent in a capless NBA? Giannis. Giannis. Okay. Giannis should get a billion dollars if the NBA was capless. I think I I wrote I wrote something about this a few years ago. I thought I put the number at like seven fifty or eight hundred, but yeah, that's maybe you it's get a billion dollars because of how important it is to be the best player in baseball versus basketball. With basketball, yeah. of course, being like you're the best player, your team is going to go far. Baseball, okay. Mike Trout has won the same yes. amount of playoff games as the three. Look at, look at his teammate, Jeremy. Yeah. 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 Otani is arguably the best baseball player we've ever seen and has never played in the playoffs. So oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you for answering that question. Predictions. <laughs> I am very curious to see where Jeremy goes with this slate of games. Um, we got a four pack coming up. Um, so Monday uh, versus the Orlando Magic at home. That game is going to be on NBA TV and I would imagine MSG. MSG usually also plays the games that are on NBA TV. Um, Wednesday, Charlotte Hornets. Again, Charlotte has been looking frisky. Um, the Magic, by the way, we should give the Magic props. They took the mm-hmm. Celtics. I was watching the some of the fourth quarter of that game last night. They were um, they took the Celtics down to the wire. They, they did. They they have some talent, the, the Magic. And then uh, so Magic Hornets, then the Knicks go on the road on Friday night at the um, Milwaukee Bucks. And then Sunday into Cleveland to face the Cavaliers, who also have looked pretty good so far. This is tricky for me because I was also going to give the Magic a lot of credit. Paolo looks fantastic. I'm going to go two and two. Um, I was debating three and one. Um, but I think I, I do think three and one is definitely possible. You know, like we've seen the Knicks win in Milwaukee. Um, I, like even last year's team winning in Milwaukee, winning in Milwaukee and losing at home to Orlando. So, uh, you know, I feel like two and two is chalk, but I would not be shocked at all at a three and one performance. And, um, I'll open the door for you to take that one if you want. Yeah. I think this is one of those ones where, um, there's not. I'm not going to outthink this one. You gave me, you know, there were two reasonable choices and you took one of them. So I'll take the other one. I'll go three and one. Um, The question is, would I have taken three and one had I gone first? No, I wouldn't have because I think there's a little bit too much downside risk with the next two games. I think the Magic are playing well and I think the Hornets are playing well. And would it completely shock me if the Knicks lost one of those two games? No, it would not. I hope, I hope. They win both of those games um, and obviously win one more game. So I can win this one at three and one or four and oh, because I'd be closer to the mark. Uh, but yeah, I'll go three and one. There we go. Nice. Andrew, anything else before we get out of here? No, like I said, well done to a couple of fanboys. You guys did a good show today. I'm proud of you on the Blue Wire podcast network. One of the uh, fastest growing podcast networks in the world, by the way. With stars like Jonathan Macri, Jeremy Cohen, well, Bernardo Zrowski, Andrew Claudio, Duncan Robinson, <laughs> <laughs> Richard Jefferson, Channing Fry. About to go through the whole roster. Like, I, I okay, very b- briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I agree that. There is a level of knowledge and um, not even knowledge. There's a level of like 
Access does equal having a better feel for what's going on with a team. And there are things that you cannot know unless you're around the team every day and like in the locker room and like the whole thing. Um, and I know that because I did it for, you know, a somewhat decent sized chunk of one of the, the pandemic season when I was, you know, covering games for uh, SI Knicks. And like, I get that. And that's, that's real. Okay, fine. There have been several opportunities for me personally, because different organizations and things have reached out to me since that time to, to continue to cover games in person with a credential. And I have not done that because there has been a demand for what we do here at Nick's film school to do what we do, which that I can't have both of those things at once because, you know, obviously sitting and talking about the game as soon as it ends and like just kind of being always available and watching the game with a certain, like being able to really focus and do it. There are things you, you can get when you're there that you can't get at home. And there, and it goes both ways too. So the point is that people are smart enough in the marketplace of content to go where they want to get what they want and to accuse folks at in their own lives of being like, you're stupid because of where you're going for your content is the most asinine and fucking ridiculous thing I have ever heard to say nothing of the folks who are actually putting out the content has nothing even to do with that. People go to get what they want to get where they want to get it. And that's up to them, you know? Um, so, you know, to each their own, Again, it's a lot. It's awesome to have a credential. You do get a lot of access, but it's just this is new media. There's a lot of places you could go for it. And that's and you know what the best part is? You don't really have to pick and choose. You could sit and watch our show, Nick's Film School, and then you could go and read the fantastic writing from Fred Katz at The Athletic, who has a credential and gets that kind of, you know, and Ian Bagley and like so on and so forth. You know, it's just that. That was strange. That whole thing was strange. And I'm happy that it got eviscerated in the form that it deserved to. I was just shouting out Blue Wire. I don't know what you're even talking about, John. I just really like working for Blue Wire as far as I'm concerned. Like, as oh, your t-shirt says. Yeah. There's, there's a, we should probably provide some slight context for those who maybe Should we? On Eight-time eight pro bowler Chris Carter on the Blue yes. Wire pod, podcast nice. network. Super Bowl champion Chris Long. I'm sure he's informed, has some inside information. Yeah. Again, listen, it, for the slightest bit of context, someone who's ahead, credentialed said on a podcast with another person um, who is credentialed about the importance of why th that podcast and those types of podcasts matter. But people like us on Blue Wire, I mean, they didn't say Nick's Film School, but like shows on Blue Wire, which they mentioned having shows that it's their fanboys. And um, there's... They, they were specifically, so I'll add the other context. They were specifically calling out, this is a Warriors podcast. We're friends with the Knicks podcast. We did a crossover with them over there. It was Locked On Dubs. And they were calling out Locked On, not Locked On, the Light Years guys, uh, yeah. Sam and I and uh, Andy over there. Um, and they've, they've handled their business. They did a live stream last night where they addressed it. Look, I didn't mean for this to become a serious thing. It's not it, I, like we're, we're addressing anything. It's not. It's, it's what Jeremy said. It's nonsense. This is. It is nonsense. Because like my reaction to this is like, buddy, do you not 
have the self-awareness of what you do for money, we are not enriching or informing anybody. We are entertaining all of this. This is sports. Who cares? Also, your name is Dog Surf Roadshow. Come on. Is that the Associated Press now? Is that the New York Times? Dog Surf Roadshow? This just in? Come on. All right. That was good. That was, I mean, we should end it there. All right. Thank you, uh, Andrew Claudio of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Hell yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy Cohen of the Blue Wire Podcast. Good luck to both of your football teams today, by the way. Yes. You will know you. when you hear this tomorrow if our luck was good. There you go. I, I have a parlay have... on both teams, so hopefully. <laughs> I think the Giants have ever won in Jacksonville. So, And the Jets have lot, scored a point in their last three games in Denver, but they're on the road and they're favorites, Jeremy. Well, Russell Wilson's out. so Yes, uh, but I got them at plus 135 when they weren't favorites Very last nice. week. So there you go. All right. Shout well, out. Good luck to both of you guys. And uh, of course, we end as we always do. Thank you guys out there for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. We will be back with you with uh, more fun and games before you know it. Peace out. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com